Man, we had church last night. It was it was fired up. Uh, I'm impressed with some of these teenagers that are still smiling and singing and dancing. They love Jesus. Uh, I was marveling. Some of our young people were serving literally for hours and smiling like Izzy Bahoso is. She's just like greeting it up for hours. George, and they're just at the door still smiling. That's yeah, there you go, George. Well, we had an incredible night, um, our city night. And for those of you, you just got a glimpse at what it was. We are rejoicing because 28 plus young people gave their life to Jesus last night. That is incredible. And God was moving in an amazing way. We had 343 people here last night. And um, if you've ever been around 300 plus teenagers, uh, there are smells you've never smelled, noises you've never heard, and dance moves you've never seen. Like, it was incredible night. God did some incredible things, and uh, we are, uh, would love for you to continue to pray with us just for lasting fruit, whole families to be transformed, and just uh, a guard around those hearts that, that were surrendered to Christ last night. We, uh, we're seeing God do an amazing thing. want to also say a massive thank you to the 70-plus volunteers, dream teamers, that made that happen. Um, Young and old alike were serving together and just incredible. I heard, uh, I heard John, you were the defender of the pizza. Uh, it was like, what are we going to do? Put John in front of the pizza. Nobody's messing with him. So uh, thank you. We had uh, volunteers up watching kids and they even resorted when they were so crazy. One of them said, we're going to do yoga. And they got five-year-olds to do yoga moves. So whatever. Uh, it was an awesome night. God is good. Um, and uh, thank you for everybody that prayed. Th those of you guys that give to, to what we're doing as a church, it is going to, to changing lives. So can we give it uh, celebrate God and all the awesome people that, that served last night? It was awesome. And buddy, how are your ears this morning? Yeah, he was... So it was a good night. Uh, well, we you are in for a treat. We're in for a treat, uh, Joy, because we have Pastor Barry and Natasha Thiessen here from, uh, did I say it right? Yeah. Natasha. And uh, we are informed the Canadian way is Natasha and the American is Natasha. Uh, so uh, all the way from City Life Church in Chilliwack, Canada, we have known each other for 12 plus years. We were all interns at the same time. And uh, they lead the Youth Young Adult Ministry at City Life Church. Last night, Pastor Barry preached a phenomenal message. And this morning, he is going to be sharing the word with us. So let's lean in, prepare our hearts as Pastor Barry comes. Well, good morning. It is, it, is, it is Natasha. Did somebody just say Patriots suck? Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah. Some of us aren't Christians in the room today, I guess. The Patriots are the best football team on planet Earth. Um, it is Natasha, but um, I'm super offended. My last name's actually Teeson. It's Teeson. I'm kidding. It's cool. Um, hey, I want to say, I said this in the first service. It's such a great honor for, for my wife and I to be here said this in the first service, you know, when, when my wife and I got into ministry, um, you know, we got two kids. Uh, we got a six-year-old and we got a three-year-old. And uh, I said, I never want ministry to be at the expense of my kids. 
And, uh, and, and I feel like, and I don't even just feel this way. I know Pastors Steve and Kim, um, you know, honestly, such an example to, to any family of, and, and never mind that all their kids uh, are, are, are pastors. They have four kids that love the local church. And, and, and in my experience, and I've known them again for about 12, 13 years, uh, and as long as, I, as long as I've known them, they've done ministry as a family. And I just think you guys have the most beautiful family. Like, honestly, it's such an honor for my wife and I to get to be here. I want to thank you again uh, for having us. My wife and I actually both felt, I was, uh, maybe this is too much information, I was praying uh, on, on, what would that be, Thursday night before we came. I was in the shower, and uh, sometimes we're praying in the shower. Is that okay? I mean... <laughs> Um, and I actually felt, you know, in John chapter 1, it's in John chapter 1 where, um, where Philip, Philip goes and he says to Nathaniel, he says, hey, um, he said, We've, we found, found the one that the prophets talk about. And he's, it's Jesus of, of Nazareth. And Nathaniel, he says to him, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip's response to him is, come and see. And uh, what I felt was for this church is that there's going to kind of be like a come and see kind of attitude. And uh, not that there's anything, like, I love Medford. Like, I, Medford and Chilliwack are like, they're the same. I love Medford. Uh, but I felt, like, I felt like some people, and Natasha kind of felt the same way. We were talking last night, and, and, and she was just kind of saying, you know, I feel like there's going to be this attitude of, of people, like, man, I, I have an answer. You know, just, you, you got to just come see. You know, I feel like that's kind of going to be an anointing on this church. Can anything good come out of Medford? Anything good come out of Medford? Yeah, come and see. Come and see. And I feel like this house is going to be a real... You know, solution is what Natasha said, just a real solution to, uh, to things that people are facing. And I love this church. It's a real privilege, real honor for me to be here, for us to be here. So thank you again uh, for having us. I do want to preach today. If you turn in your Bible to, my voice just cracked. I'm going through puberty. Um, if you turn in your Bibles to, and all the teenagers said amen. Uh, if you turn in your Bible to uh, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, we'll go verses 23 to 27. We'll head over to uh, Exodus as well. I actually have to get to Hebrews, so just be patient. Uh, I found it. That was fast. Amazing. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 27, it says this. It says, by faith, I want to talk about faith decisions today. If you're taking notes, you can call this faith decisions. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover in the sprinkling of blood, lest... I didn't even want to read that verse. I wanted to stop there. I'm sorry. We're going to stop there because uh, that's unnecessary. Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse 23. We're going to start there. It says, now, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Uh, then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was, was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw 
that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. If you skip down to verse 10, it says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. May bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Let's pray really quick. God, thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we do. We ask that you'd speak to us today. Lord, I thank you that uh, in a room this size and with all these people, there's so many different needs, but Lord, your Holy Spirit can speak to each person simultaneously. So Lord, we ask for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, want to talk today about faith decisions. Uh, so many decisions that we make uh, on a day-to-day basis, they're informed by so many different things. And decisions can be informed by doubt. They can be informed by insecurity. They can be informed by fear. Uh, it was March, March 11th, 2008. Natasha and I have been dating for about six months. Um, and you guys call it courtship here. So we were like in a courtship where in a series where it was trending towards marriage for sure. I had known Natasha. We had known each other for about two years. And, uh, and so it, when, you, when you know someone for two years, it's not really a matter of trying to figure out, like, like you know, like, okay, like, I, I'm, I'm very interested in this person. It's just a matter of getting together and figure, okay, like, are we actually going to be compatible together? Do we, do we like each other? You know, like, and so we figured out pretty quickly we liked each other. And we were, hey, this is awesome. So we were like, we were like, we, you know, so I'm doing some quick math in my head, though. You know, okay, we've been, you know, we've been in a relationship for six months. And we had discussed marriage, obviously, at this point, we're kind of feeling like, Okay, we discussed timeline a little bit. I'm thinking, okay, well, if we want to get married at this time, have a four-month engagement, I got to probably get married, get, get ready to propose in about a month. And uh, I didn't talk to anybody. I freaked out. I was freaking out. I was having like, I swear, I was having like a nervous breakdown. Like I was like, oh my goodness, I got so afraid. I didn't talk, like I didn't tell my parents. I didn't talk to my youth pastor, my senior pastor, nobody. I was just, I was freaking out. So this one night, Natasha and I, we met up after a meeting that I had, and I, and I, and I hopped in. We were, we were just hanging out uh, in, in her parents' truck. It wasn't anything like that, okay? It wasn't anything like that. We're hanging out. We're talking, I swear. We're hanging out in the truck, and I, and I said to Natasha, I said, we need to break up. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I saw that. Ah, she couldn't even hide it. She was like, oh my goodness. If you heard the story I told last night, you guys are probably like, you're the worst, you know? It's true. I don't know why she married me. Um, sometimes you marry way out of your league. I did. And, uh, and, and so I said, yeah, you jerk. And so I, uh, so I, said, we need to, we're, I said, we need to break up. And, and Natasha was like, what? And she was as shocked as you are. And, uh, and Natasha would say, I'm a regular delight. Um, and, and, and so I said, no, we need to break up. And, uh, and, I said, and I said, you know, I feel like if it's not tonight, it's going to be another night. So we just need to end it right now. You know, just <laughs> rip the Band-Aid off. Natasha said, you talked to anyone about it? Nope. You prayed about it? Nope. And she said, hey, well, why don't I give you, like, can you, just t- can you please just take five minutes? Like, just pray. And I'm like, sure. And so Natasha's like, I'm going to go for a walk. So she gets out of the truck. We're at F.G. Leary School. And my wife, that means nothing to you. My wife, uh, as if you all know where that is, my wife, uh, so my wife goes for a walk and she comes back and she's like, so? And I'm like, yeah, we need to break up. And, um, and, uh, and, and, and honestly, God, God, and I'm being all spiritual, like, yeah, we need, we need to break up. And, uh, and, 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 and God didn't say anything in those five minutes that, that Natasha's gone. He didn't say you need to break up. I was just like, yeah, we need to break up. And uh, so I go home, and, and I'm about to go home, and Natasha looks at me, and she says this. She says, you know, in the Bible, 
She says, there's a reason that wisdom was a woman. <laughs> and she... <laughs> so, uh, she hops in her truck and she drives away. I'm crying and uh, I'm emotionally unstable. And so my youth pastor, he phones me the next day and he, he you know, it, it, it obviously ends well, right? We got married. So, um, so Todd, he phones me, he says, we need to meet, man. And, and so I go over to Todd's house and you, hug, you give him a hug and Todd's like, bro, like, do you love her? And I'm like, yes, Pastor Todd, I love her. <laughs> he says, bro, you obviously made the wrong decision then. And so Natasha and I, we obviously, we got back together two weeks later because I do apologize to her parents and beg them to let me date her again. We got married in uh, November of that year, but I made a decision based on fear. It was crazy. And so all of us, we make these decisions that are informed by different things. And today I want to talk about making decisions that are based on faith. You know, and, and, and in this pastor scripture, I'd love to give you a little bit of context if you're newer to church. We're kind of picking up the story like, you know, it is, you've probably heard of the character of Moses. Probably at the very least, if you're new to church, you've heard of the Red Sea. And, you know, God splitting the Red Sea and the people of Israel walking through, or at least you've seen the Prince of Egypt. So what's happened is, is Israel's actually, they've kind of settled in the land of Egypt. They've begun to multiply. And Egypt actually gets like really, like they're thinking, okay, well, if they continue to multiply like they are, they're going to actually just, they're going to take over Egypt. And so they, the, the Pharaoh comes out with this edict. And he says, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kill all the Hebrew baby boys. And the hope was that if there's no Hebrew baby boys, then the ladies, uh, the Israelite ladies, they're actually going to have to marry Egyptian men. And eventually uh, Israel is just going to be absorbed into the nation of Israel. There will be no more Israel after like a generation or so, right? And so uh, they hide, Moses' parents hide him. And you've seen it. They float him down the Nile River in the Prince of Egypt. And the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's wife, or, or, or daughter, I think, uh, gets him out, and she raises him, and he ends up becoming, you know, like, super important in the nation of Egypt, uh, and then he, he, he sees one of his own men being beaten, kills the Egyptian guy, next day comes out, two Israelite men fighting, and he goes to confront them and say, hey, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian guy yesterday? And then he flees. He knows, man, I'm endangered. So he leaves, he goes to Midian, burning bush, comes back delivers the people out of, the, out of slavery, promised land. It was all great. It ends well. But there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about today. And my first thought for all of us this morning is this. Faith opportunities often appear in ordinary circumstances. Faith opportunities often appear in ordinary circumstances. You know, sometimes, and I said this in the first service, I said sometimes I feel like I need like a sign to appear, like when it's a person or if it's an opportunity. I need like a sign over top of it that says like extraordinary opportunity incoming. You know, I wouldn't miss that, you know, but, it, you know, these extraordinary opportunity, opportunities, um, extraordinary opportunities, is two words in one, um, they, they appear in ordinary circumstances. Moses in Exodus chapter 3 here, the burning bush, he, he's, been, he's been a shepherd for 40 years, and he's been doing the same thing day after day after day, taking the sheep out, doing what he does every day. Nothing special about today. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how often Moses thought about Egypt when he, was, when he was just tending the sheep. I wonder if he ever felt like he made a mistake. You know, nothing, nothing special about that day. And, and, and the Bible actually says, so he, Moses is just doing his business, and out of the corner of his eye, he catches a bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And the Bible actually says that, the Bible says that when God saw that Moses turned aside, that's when God decided to speak to him. And I asked myself the question, what if Moses hadn't turned aside? Like, does, and we talked about this a long time, does God in his sovereignty raise up somebody else 
Does God in his sovereignty like find a different way to get Moses' attention? Or does God in his sovereignty just know that Moses is going to turn aside? I don't know, probably. But we could talk about that for a long time. But in any case, Moses turns aside and they have this conversation and we kind of know how that conversation ends. But what we forget, Moses is 80 years old when he has this conversation at the burning bush. Moses is two-thirds of the way done his life. Now, for all of us here today, that's the equivalent. If I make it to 90 years old, it's like, I'm like, I'd be 60. You know, I'm 60 years old. People aren't thinking about starting a new career. People are thinking like, I want to retire. You know, I'm thinking about my, for, for Americans, you don't have RSPs, I found out. You guys have 401ks and things like that, investments. You know, you're 60 years old. You're thinking about your investments, paying for your kids' weddings, education, retirement, re retiring in Palm Springs. We're retiring in Medford because Medford's unbelievable. But you're thinking about retirement, you know? Like, you're not thinking about a career change. Moses could very well have just said to God, like, oh, man, are you sure you got the right guy? Like, I'm a little bit too old for this, you know? Like, I'm a little bit past my prime, you know? Does God ever talk to you at inopportune times? You know, like, honestly, like, you'd be in Starbucks and you're in a rush to get your coffee and go to work, and, or, or you could be, like, on, you know, on a drive with a coworker. Or, you know, you're in your cubicle sitting next to your coworker, whatever it is, and you feel like God's telling you to, to talk to somebody, share your faith, um, you know, pray for healing or something like that. And, and honestly, sometimes my response to that is like, Lord, I was reading my Bible an hour ago, you know, and, and praying. You could have talked to me then, you know? <laughs> Come on, am I the only one? Like, I feel like, honestly, that's kind of how I feel. And, and I said this in the first verse. I said, sometimes I feel like, can I just put you through to Barry Teeson's heart voicemail? Like, this is Barry Teeson's heart. Like, I can't take your conviction right now. Like, please, <laughs> please, leave, please leave a message and come back after the tone, you know? Like, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. You know, God speaks at inopportune times, but I never leave those, I, I never leave those conversations with God feeling like, man, I nailed it. You know, like... I'm just a superman of God. I never feel that way. And I, you know what, I've discovered, you know, extraordinary opportunities often appear in ordinary circumstances. I find for myself that if I take the opportunity to lean into what I think is ordinary, there's often some extraordinary stuff in there. And I think if we all made a decision as individuals, whether it be in our workplaces, schools, whatever it is, we lean into the ordinary a little bit more, I think that we would probably see there's a lot of extraordinary in there. Uh, my second thought is this, faith sees the eternal reward. Faith sees the eternal reward. You know, there's always, always opportunities to settle. Um, a lot of scholars believe that Moses actually knew that he was a Hebrew. And it's kind of, it's kind of indicated actually in Exodus chapter 2 when it says that he saw one of his Hebrew brothers being beaten. Now, the crazy thing about that is, is that if, if Moses knows that he's a Hebrew, chances are news travels pretty fast. Egypt probably knows that he's a Hebrew, and the Israelites also probably actually know that he's a Hebrew too. So the Israelites probably don't really like Moses because he's a traitor. And the Egyptians probably don't really love Moses that much either because he's a fraud. And so Egypt, like he's grown up with all the privileges of Egypt, but he's not really, you know, like he's not really true to anybody. He's like, he doesn't, he doesn't really belong anywhere. And I find that settling can happen, you know, one of two ways for all of us. You know, you can get comfortable and it, or, or, or you can kind of like what appears to be God's will, you know, you get a, you know, it could be a job promotion opportunity, you know, it could be a relationship that seems like, man, this could be right, you know, maybe something just feels a little bit off, and, and you kind of just like, and, and you justify it, you know what I mean, like, oh man, like, I imagine it would have been so easy for Moses to like just be able to justify it, you know, like, 
oh, like, look at the position that I've been given. Like, I got so much influence, and I got so much power. And man, like, scholars, scholars believe that he would have been, that he could have been actually uh, the next in line to be Pharaoh. They actually believe he might have been the only son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so they actually believe that Moses could have been next in line to be the, the, the number one command in Egypt, which at that time probably would have been about the most powerful nation on earth. And so I imagine for Moses, Moses probably could have been like, I mean, come on, like, look at how much good I could do with all this power, you know? Like, I could, I could just free the nation of Israel just by being in charge. And I think that all of us are, are, are faced with that somewhat in our lives, or we, have, we're, we, we make these faith decisions. And I often find that we fall into three, three categories when we're making faith decisions. We're either missing it, like I discussed last time, you miss an opportunity, or you're in the middle of making it. You have to decide, okay, well, am I going to make a faith decision? So Moses God has decided, okay, well, am I actually going to leave, leave Egypt, leave everything I've ever known, or am I going to, or I'm going to stay here? Or, 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 we're, or we're, you know, like we've made the decision or we're, or we're making the decision or we've made it. And that's why I find three categories that we kind of fall into. And it's as if Moses here, he's, he's presented with this decision. It's almost like he's pros and cons. He's weighing it out. Okay, well, what do I, what do, I do here? Do I leave? I leave everything I've ever known. I can justify it. I could stay here. And honestly, it doesn't really make any sense for him to leave. Like if you think about it, it'd probably be one of those things that most pastors counsel against. Like, should I leave? No, probably not. Like, you're not guaranteed any, there's no financial stability, security, you got no family, like, you're leaving everything, like, that's probably one of those things that for most people, you'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? And Moses here, it's, it's as if he's got, like, a pros and cons, like, he's got this, the scale, you know, and, and it's, as he, it's as if he's saying, like, I can have the best of Egypt and the worst of God, or I can have the worst of God, or the worst of Egypt and the best of God. I can have, I can have... Egypt's riches, God's wrath, or I can have Egypt's wrath, God's riches. Be a son of Abraham, or I could be a son of Pharaoh. And Moses makes the decision, okay, well, I want to be, be a son of Abraham. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like for all of us in the room here today, sometimes you have to give up something that you love for something that you love more. You know, the Bible, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, we have it on the screen. Uh, Paul's talking, he says, we don't, we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're temporal, but the things that are unseen, they're eternal. Now, my wife and I, we love to do this thing. It, it's cheat day on Saturday. It was yesterday, um, which honestly, for the last three weeks, it's been cheat day like every day. I like to eat healthy, like, I like to eat healthy during the week as, but, as much as I can. But Saturday, we just like to go hard and eat whatever we want to eat. And I'm not kidding. So, so, so it's like, it, it's Saturday, and it's like, hey, let's, let's fast breakfast. We've got to save the calorie count for what's coming, you know? So we go to McDonald's. We, first we work out. First we work out, and then we go to McDonald's. We go to McDonald's, and I'm not kidding. Um, we go to McDonald's. So sometimes, sometimes we make two stops, depending on how hungry I am. You know, we get 10 McNugget meals, supersized, uh, and we get... Uh, we get large fries, you know, McDouble on the side, junior chicken, Diet Coke, um, and then, I'm serious, and then, and then that night we get, you know, big thing of Pringles, Charleston Chew, double big gulp, Slurpee, and the best, I love Cheat Day Saturday, but the worst part of, the, the, the worst part of Cheat Day Saturday is Sunday, <laughs> you know, like, wake up feeling like regret, you know, like, this is the face of a man who has given up on life, you know, that's how I feel. You know, and honestly, though, you know, sometimes an immediate reward means an eternal sacrifice. 
And sometimes an immediate sacrifice means an eternal reward. And, and I, I think that for us as Christians, we need to make faith decisions that see the eternal reward. And lastly, my, my last thought for you this morning is this. Faith is tested. Faith is always tested. You make the decision, faith is tested. You know, I often find after a moment of victory, oftentimes moment of testing coming right after. You know, you feel great and all of a sudden, oh, shoot. You have to keep in mind, God, you know, burning bush encounter, God tells Moses what's going to happen. You're going to go into Egypt. I'm going to display my wonders through you. I think it was in, in chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. I think this is God's, I'm going to display my wonders through you. I'm going to free the people of Egypt. You're going to come worship. God tells Moses what's going to happen. So Moses is coming back, you know, probably a little bit of bravado. Been a while. Haven't been back here for a while. The hero of the day. I'm going to set the nation of Israel free. It's going to be amazing. Moses is probably feeling pretty good. Moses goes from hero to zero really quick in Egypt. Really quick. He comes back. Guys, great news. You're not going to be here for much longer. I'm setting you free. It's going to be amazing. One plague. They still don't get to go anywhere. Second plague. You know, I, you know we go from really excited to all of a sudden we're making bricks without straw. All right. So chalk that one up to a loss for Moses. You know, fourth plague, hey, yeah, you know what? You guys can go. Moses is excited. Pharaoh changes his mind. No, you can't go. So Moses is like the hero of the day to suddenly it's like, dude, you're the worst. Like, we don't, like, go, go back to Midian. Like, honestly, if I'm Moses, like, if I'm Moses, I'm thinking, God, this is not what we talked about. Like, if I, honestly, if I'm Moses, I'm like, hey, like, is going back to Midian an option? Or if I'm Moses, I'm asking, I'm asking the Egyptians, do you still got my room in the palace? <laughs> like, can we have a do-over on the last 40 years, pretend that the whole killing the Egyptian guy thing didn't happen? Like, I'll come back. I'll be second in command. I don't even need to be Pharaoh. I'll enslave the people of Israel, you know? Like, honestly, like, Moses is having a tough time. And Moses, in this his faith is being tested. You know, hey, do I hold on to the things that God said to me? Do I, do I still believe that the things that God said are true? Or in a moment of testing, do I think that God's a liar? So what, my, my obvious question for all of us today, what about you? You know, what's God spoken to you about? Has he spoken to you about business? Has he spoken to you about getting involved in church? Has he spoken to you about your kids? Has he spoken to you about prodigals that you have in your life? Spoken to you about family members? Has he spoken to you about stepping out? Has he spoken to you about staying put? You know, when everything in you wants, wants to leave and to kind of run away, has he spoken to you about staying put? I want to invite the worship team to come up. You know, there's this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. It says that if they had thought about the land from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to return. You know, I wonder how Moses felt. Wonder how much he, he thought of, of Egypt. You know, my wife and I, when, when we were, uh, it, this is two years ago, we, we decided we wanted to buy and flip a house. The market was, was really great. Uh, I was an electrician for three years, so I know enough about construction to make me dangerous. And uh, actually dangerous. Um, so we did it with a couple friends. We decided we wanted to buy and flip a house. It was awesome. If you were here in the first service and you wonder how we did, we did okay. We didn't, we didn't like go bankrupt. We made money. Um, but uh, we, we were in it for about six weeks, about week five, and we're kind of in the finishing details of it. You know, we're like uh, caulking the trim and stuff like that, and the baseboards, and 
Um, this one night, I had the very enviable task of staining the, the laundry room floor. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm on my hands and knees, and, I, and, and I'm painting this stain on the laundry And I'm in a bad mood, like grumpy. Been working long days, like essentially two full-time jobs at the church, and then, you know, seven, eight hours after work at the house. Saturdays, we're working 14-hour days, just trying to get this thing done, wrapped up. And uh, I, I got a bad attitude. I'm kinda, I, I kind of snapped at Natasha. It wasn't, it wasn't one of my more proud moments, like when I broke up with her, or it's kind of like that. I snapped at her, and Natasha looked at me, she said, well, what do you want me, like, what do you want me to do? And I looked at her, and I was like, I want you to send me home and never make me come back here again. I've had it with this dump. That's a dumb and dumber reference if you didn't catch that. We have no money. We have no food. <laughs> um, I'm ticked. And, and, and I realized, though, it would have cost me so much more to walk away from that house than if I just stuck it out for a little bit longer. Financially, it would have cost me a lot of money to walk away from that. There's this passage of scripture in John chapter 6, verse 66 to 69. Jesus is, uh, Jesus is, is, is starting to say some crazy stuff. Jesus has started saying, like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. People had never heard that before. And people are like, oh, okay. And, uh, and, and the Bible actually says, not as 12, but some of his disciples, it says they actually, they left. And so Jesus actually, he turns to the 12 and he says, what about you guys? Do you want to go too? And he's giving them their option. Like, if, if you want to leave, now's the time to go. And, and these disciples, I think it was Peter. Peter looks at him and he says, to whom shall we go? And we don't, we don't have any other options. I think those are some of the most beautiful words that could be said by a believer. We don't, like, we don't, God, we don't have a backup plan. Like, we're all in here. Like, we understand that it costs us way more to leave than it would to just stick this out, no matter how hard it gets. You know, faith is tested, all of us as believers. We're living in reality, real time. You know, and for all of us, we face testing. And we all, you know, as much as I think that faith, you know, faith stretches or, 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 or circumstances testing uh, stretches our faith, I also think that, that, that testing reveals what's already there. And I think that, I, I find that for us as believers, I think that we, in most cases, probably most beneficial to, to almost like make our decisions before the testing actually happens. You know what I mean? Like, no matter how hard it gets, I'm not gonna leave my wife. I'm not gonna leave my husband. Like, I'm not gonna give up on my marriage. No matter how hard it gets, like, I'm not gonna leave the church. I'm not gonna get bitter. You know, no matter how hard it gets, I'm gonna fight for that friendship. No matter how hard it gets, like, I'm not gonna give up on my kids. I'm gonna keep believing and keep praying. No matter how hard it gets, I'm not gonna give up on my business. I'm not gonna give up on my dreams that God's put in my heart. No matter how hard it gets, you know, I don't have any other options besides faith. You know, I don't have any other options. And I want to pray for you today. You know, faith, you know, for as much, you know, faith is a very risky thing for all of us as believers. It is. It is. I don't, people who tell you that faith isn't hard, they're weird. They haven't gone through anything. I promise you, it will get hard. You know, but faith is a tricky thing. But I promise you, faith, faith, faith in God is not misplaced. I want to pray for us today. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes? God, I want to thank you today for this church. You know, Lord, I know that in, 
in a room this size, no doubt there's people that are going through stuff today. Lord, I'm asking that you would remind us today to put all of our faith and all of our hope and all of our trust in you today. Lord, we might find ourselves today missing the opportunities. Lord, not seeing these extraordinary opportunities that are coming in ordinary packages. Or Lord, today we might find ourselves know, faced with the decision and maybe not seeing the eternal reward in it. Or Lord, we might be reality. Faith is just being tested today. We've made the decision, but now the, the rubber's kind of meeting the road. And Lord, today I pray that you'd help us. Lord, we need you today. Lord, your word even says that apart from you, we can do nothing. And Lord, today we need your spirit. Lord, we ask, ask you to come and encourage each person here today. Lord, remind us that our faith placed in you today is not misplaced at all. But Lord, all of our eggs kind of placed in your basket. Best place that our faith can be. I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.